0: I am to the book of Deuteronomy the book of Deuteronomy I I find myself here recently I don't know if it's just a a phase I'm in or but I really feel like it's something where the Lord is trying to deal with us about some things and put some things into our spirit and uh and so I find myself sort of locking in on I believe the Lord is doing this, locking in on four or five verses in a specific setting and drawing things just out of those four or five verses. Sometimes it's often easy, and the Lord speaks to us topically where we can pick a single thing and go through the Scripture different ways. Um, but context obviously clearly matters in Scripture, context. And uh, there are principles rooted in the Word of God like we talked about on Sunday about attributes of a person of faith. There are principles rooted in the Word of God that if we will, as people of God, if we will lay hold on those things from His Word and make them our own, right? psalmist said, this is a Bible verse that the classes are learning, Thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against Thee. Psalmist said, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Psalm one nineteen one oh five. I know where that's at, don't I, Josiah? They were, they were, Jonah and Josiah were looking at each other, making sure I was getting it right. I appreciate that. Keep me honest. But the word of God is that for us, and we need the word of God. Hear me, we need the word of God. You and I cannot live without His Word, okay? I don't care if you pray 23 hours a day and you sleep 30 minutes a day. You won't make it without the Word of God. We need the Word of God. His Word is precious to Him. He has exalted His Word above His name. The Word matters, The Word is the final authority. The Word is forever settled. I thank God for the Word. Amen. When we read in the writings of Paul of putting on the whole armor of God, we find attributes in the Word of every part of the armor. That's a different study for a different time. But if you look, when he talks about putting on the breastplate of righteousness, your loins girt about with truth, your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith, each one of those characteristics of the armor of God has attributes, attributes that are rooted in the Word. I'll give you an example, the shield of faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. So we see that even the shield of faith, you need the word, all right? Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth, armor of God. Your loins girt about with truth. Every element of the armor of God is rooted in the word of God. Again, that's a different study for a different time. But as you begin looking and you begin studying each piece of armor... You can trace so many elements of it back to the Word, the Word, the Word. Loins girt with truth. Get in the Word and you'll find truth. Helmet of salvation. You want salvation? You'll find it in the Word. You want righteousness? His Word is righteous. And you'll find righteousness in the Word of God. So for you and I to truly have and put on the whole armor of God, we must be in the Word. Amen? And... I thank God for bread charts. We have them available as a way of getting you and I in the Word. I have one. I'm not very good at following it, but I have it. And um, I I keep on pace. Like, for example, right now, the last day of March, uh, we're supposed to be done with, or at least through the 8th chapter of 1 Samuel. Uh, I got about 11 days in March yet to do. But I jump around, and so I've read the, you know, I've done enough days. I just don't stick to the charts, so I'm not... Uh, that doesn 't mean i 'm not a rule follower, just anyway but but that that chart is not enough that 's reading the word. We need to Paul told Timothy Timothy, you need to study the word. he said you need to study to show yourself approved unto God, not to men we 're not proving something to men. Paul said, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so, uh, we need to be in the word. Amen? We need to be in the word. If you want your walk with God to take roots, if you want your relationship with God to go deeper still... If you want to know God more, study His Word. Amen. John 1 and 1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You want to know God? Know His Word. You want to know Him more? Dig His Word. Don't study His Word to get intellect. Study His Word to know Him. God, I want to know You. I want to know about You. I want to know... I want to know more of you. I want to understand your nature. I want, to, I want to know how you relate to me. I want to know how you'd like me to relate to you. This is your answer. We must become people of the word. We, I, I'm trying to get somewhere and here. We're stuck on this. Not stuck, but the Lord's got us here in case you didn't recognize this. In the book of Hosea, we find that there were people, the people of God were destroyed for their lack of knowledge. They were destroyed for their lack of knowledge. And so you and I, I'm telling you, if we don't dig in the word and get a knowledge of the word and get a knowledge of the God of the word, we'll be destroyed. The adversary. See, it's why when, when Satan came and tempted the Lord Jesus Christ multiple times, even though Jesus was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, even though he had been fasting for 40 days and praying, when the adversary came, when Satan came and began to tempt him, Satan, uh, the Lord Jesus didn't say, Satan, I rebuke you by the power of the Almighty God that dwells within me. He could have done that. But Jesus didn't do that. Jesus said, Satan, it is written... And he declared the word of God to the adversary. Hear me. The word of God is powerful. We talk about the armor of God and its attributes to the word. We see the final, the only weapon that we see when we're reading about the armor of God. We see one weapon. It is the sword. The weapon is, of course, the sword of the spirit, which is the the word of God. You want a war in this, and it is a battle that we're in. And you want to be able to fight I mean, it's one thing to put on the armor. It's another thing to have something to fight with. You better be in the word. And so the only weapon is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We must, by the grace of God, be people of the word. We need to be people of the word. Hear me. You can't just take what you hear here and go. That's enough. Now we're gonna, by God's grace, we're seeking to teach and preach and declare the word of God. You understand? But we all have an individual responsibility to dig in the word. Paul spoke and he said, "Work out." Anybody work out? Anybody here work out? You can tell I do, can't you? I mean, look at that. Don't let the jacket fool you. There's nothing under it. No. <laughs> No, but, right, work out. We understand that term, work out. Paul said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That was with reverence and an understanding. I got a responsibility in this. Yes, the Lord saves me by grace through faith. But I have a responsibility. What's my responsibility? i got to get in the Word. i got to know this God for myself. i got to develop this relationship with God for myself. And if I want to know Him, I want a relationship with Him. I want to abide in Him. And I want Him abiding in me. I better get in His Word. Anybody believe that? We need to be in the Word. And don't tell me you don't have time. I ain't buying it. I'm not buying it. Don't. You tell me. I really want to go to Deuteronomy here. This is all foundation. You tell me you don't have time. Then my first request of you is that you get your smartphone. And you go to that little part on settings that shows you how much time you spend on it in a day. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You know, there's a setting on there. You can figure that out pretty quick. You look at that setting and then tell me if you don't have time. See, what's a priority we make time for?
1: We must, please hear me, we must make time to get in the word of God.
0: Every single one of us, we must make time daily to get in the word of God. Dig and study. It is a treasure trove. It is a field of treasure it is a field of treasure. This precious book that has been given us. This precious truth that you and I have the privilege. It's readily available. I Sometimes I sit in a early in the morning. I'll sit in this chair in my living room. And uh, right there on the shelf beside me, I've got 11 or 12 different. A translations of scripture, versions of scripture, and I, I think I've got all of this, and if I'm not careful, I can take this precious book for granted. I can take this precious, but oh God, hear me, every answer for your life is in this book. Every circumstance or situation that you're facing that you're not sure what to do, what do I do? What's my answer? I promise you, if you'll dig and search and, and find, it's, it's here, it's in this book. Every life need is spoken to in this book. Every life situation is spoken to in this book. We must become people of the Word of God. I want to be like the Bereans, right? The the Scripture says of them that they they were more noble, I think, than those in Thessalonica, if I remember correctly, They were more noble than them because not only did they hear, but then they went and they searched the Scriptures daily whether the things that they had heard were true. The Bereans were known for searching the Scripture daily. I want to search the Scriptures. Jesus told the religious people of His day. He made this statement to them. He said, search the Scriptures For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are they which testify of me. What was he declaring? He was declaring to the religious people. You think you have eternal life because you have dug in the Old Testament. But you haven't dug enough to recognize that everything that's there is speaking of me. That's right in front of you. Go search again until you know the God of the book. Go search again until you don't just know the letter. But you know the God of the letter. That's how we got to search the book. To know Him. I don't want to get knowledgeable. I want to know Him. I want to know Him. That's what the Apostle Paul was talking about. He said, I was a Hebrew. I was a tribe of Benjamin. I was a Pharisee touching the law. Perfect. But when I got struck down on the road, I didn't even know who He was. Who are you, Lord? He said, I count all of my learning but dung that I may know Him. And he got revelation and understanding. Then all that digging in the book began to reveal the mighty God in Christ Jesus. You want to know him? Digging the book. Amen? Deuteronomy chapter 8. Thank you, Jesus. I feel the Holy Ghost. And I feel the conviction of the Spirit. Now, if that pricks your heart and mind and you're like... This isn't this isn't where you give in to guilt. Or this is the Spirit of the Lord that's reaching to some of you, and there's conviction that's taking place that's saying, I gotta get back to the Word. I gotta get back to the Word. I gotta dig in the Word again. And don't get in a hurry. Don't get in a hurry. Dig in the Word. Deuteronomy chapter eight. The Word can help us understand why we're Why life is going as it is going. Amen? And so we're going to see that tonight. We're going to see a principle here, some principles, that I think are important for us. And I believe, by the help of the Holy Ghost, it will give us some answers for some. All right? Would you pray with me one more time? Would you ask God to anoint our minds and our ears and open our heart to hear His Word The way he wants us to. Jesus, in your name, we thank you for your precious, holy, powerful, anointed word. I pray that you would speak with us according to your divine will and purpose here tonight. I open my heart to you, God. If there's any place where I'm not open, I pray even now let it be submitted to you, that there be an opening of my heart and spirit to hear your word. Let it write upon the fleshly tables of my heart according to your desire. In the name of Jesus, we need you, Lord. We need your word. We need the rhema of God. I pray even so, speak with us. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Deuteronomy chapter number 8. We see the Lord speaking to his people. Notice what he says starting in verse number 1. All the commandments which I command you this day shall you observe to do. Everybody say, observe to do. Why? Here's why. Four words. That you may live. Now, pause right there just a minute. If he gave no other reason, that was probably good enough. I mean, think about it. All the commandments which I command you this day you'll observe to do. Here's why. So that you live. Well, you understand there's an alternate there. If I don't, I die. So that in and of itself should be enough. But notice what he said. Not only will you live if you observe my word and keep it, but you'll live and you'll multiply and you'll go in and possess the land which I swore to your fathers. See, there's something about the power of the Word. Commandments. Anytime you see commandments, you know you see these different words that are used, statutes. They point back to the Word of God. Okay? Verse 2. Watch. And you shall remember all the way which the Lord your God led you these 40 years. I want you to notice. We, again, we can read something and pass over it. Notice what the Lord said. I want you to remember all the way. It's important. Remember all the way which the Lord led you. Sometimes we can forget all the way that the Lord led us we can remember where we are and maybe the last couple of years sometimes it does good to just get back into a place of prayer and begin to thank god for every step along the way every part of the journey All the way. I remember I was lost, but he found me and I was broken and he began to heal me. I was undone and he began to put me back together. I didn't know up from down and he began to give me direction. I had no peace and he began to put peace in my spirit. I had no joy. He began to put, I need to remember all the way that he's led me. There ain't a one of us that got to this place where we are in relationship with God without him leading us. And the Lord told the children of Israel, remember all the way. Which the Lord your God led you these 40 years in the wilderness. Now watch, somebody hear me tonight. Hear the word of the Lord. We get indications clearly from the word of God of why we go through things. The wilderness. We spent a lot of time a few months ago talking about the wilderness and coming through it and the purpose and the process of it. But I want you to see the purpose of the wilderness that's here that the Lord declares. Number one, to humble you. The Lord has you and I go through a wilderness to humble us watch and to prove you or to test you and I, to know what is in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So we see four things here that the Lord allows wilderness seasons and times in our life. And this is a principle of the word of God. Remember I said it At the beginning, we're going to look at some principles that if we'll lay hold on, they help us walk through life because we gain revelation and understanding. Okay, God's doing something in this. I don't don't get into woe is me mode. I realize, okay, God's doing something. I want to submit to His process. God, give me understanding of your purpose and your work. And we find answers in His Word. So we go through these seasons in life, sometimes a wilderness season, And it serves a purpose to humble us. We'll talk a little bit more about that in a second. To humble us, to test us. And this is a big one. To see what's in your heart. There's nothing that really seems to reveal what's in someone's heart like going through a crisis. You know, you can sort of fake it till you make it when everything's going really good. You start going through a wilderness, it gets harder and harder. And it begins to reveal what's really in the heart. And how do people find out what's in the heart? Well, because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth begins to talk. That's what the word says, right? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so wilderness seasons, circumstances of life... They do some things. They humble us. They help us understand. I didn't get here on my own. Remember he started with, remember all the way which the Lord led you? The wilderness humbles us. I can't do this. I don't know what to do. I'm in this place where I don't know. I don't know which direction here. I I can't provide for myself. You understand? This is where the children of Israel were. It humbled them. Humbling removes from us a self-sufficient mindset. Removes this idea of "I've got this on my own. I don't need anybody else. I certainly don't need God." Now we may not declare that openly, but our actions can declare that. I'm good. I've got this. I'm okay. I'm you know. I may need God if things get rough, but no. He uses a wilderness to humble us. Brings us to a place of humility before God. I can't do this without you, Lord. I need you. I remember all the way that you led me, and I didn't make it through all that in my own effort and ability. I didn't make it through all of that in my own doing and my own wisdom, but I can look back all the way I've come and I see your mercies. I see your hand reaching into my situation. I see your provision coming to where I was. I see you bringing people into my path that made a way when it seemed like there wasn't a way. God forbid I get lifted up in myself as though I did that. You led me all the way through all of that. The wilderness humbles us. That's the purpose of God. It proves us, it tests us, finds out how we're going to respond to things. Let me pause right here for a minute. Raise your hand if you're human. Look at that. (laughs) What do you know? Every one of us. Isn't it great to know you're in a room full of humans? All right. Some of you are like, yeah, it is. No, here's the thing. We can read that and say, and to test us, or the the new King James says to test you. King James says to prove you. Now, we're all humans. How many of you have ever failed a test? Look around the room. There's a few hands that aren't up. Talk to them afterwards. They can tell you how to do it. No. All right. Look, we've all failed a test. And I don't mean English 101. All right? If you pass that, God bless you. But, I, I mean, no, I'm talking about where we recognize, man, the Lord tested me and I I faltered. Look, please, somebody hear me. Failing a test is not the end as long as you're still breathing. If you fail a test, here's the wonderful thing about living for God. He'll let you take it again. Where you got to get concerned, where I have to be concerned, is when I start getting calloused in my heart. And I don't want to do the test anymore, Lord. I think I'll just choose my own way. I'm forgetting the humility that I was supposed to learn. And Rather than falling on the rock to be broken, the scripture is clear. If I don't fall on the rock and be broken, the rock will fall on me and grind me to powder. And so it's okay to fail a test. I just come back to him in humility. God, I can't do this without you. I need you. And so don't let the adversary bombard you because you and I are human and we fail a test. So, okay, God, I'm still here. And I'm here in humility and I've recognized I can't do this without you. And so he bring. do you think God knew if you and I were going to fail a test? Of course he did. Of course he did. You say, well, if he loves me, why would he do that? I'll tell you why. Because he needs you and I to know how fragile we are and how frail we are without him. And he needs us to understand we need him. And so he brings us through processes in life that remind us you don't got it all by yourself.
1: You haven't got this all figured out. You still need me. Why would he do that? Because he wants a relationship with you and I. And he wants to draw us to himself.
0: So he does things to test us. All right. Not to test us to hold condemnation over our head. But to remind us of our need of him. All right. And he does these things to prove what's in our heart. To prove what's in our heart. I've been reading and praying that I'll read things in the word and it'll mark my spirit. And then when it marks my spirit, I'll begin praying that part of the word. And uh, I, you know, Daniel, it's, it's interesting what's said about Daniel twice in his life at least Um, first time in Daniel chapter 5, and I forget where the other one is there. But it says of Daniel that Daniel had an excellent spirit. Two places it declares of him, he had an excellent spirit. And then you read in the New Testament, Jesus, when he... When uh, I think it was Andrew that went and got Nathaniel to bring him to Jesus to say, Hey, we found the Messiah. Uh, Jesus declares of Nathaniel, Behold, an Israelite in whom there is no guile. And so that's been turning in my heart this excellent spirit of Daniel and this, this character of Nathaniel with no guile in him. And so I found myself praying, Lord, I'd like to to have an excellent spirit. I don't think I do yet, Lord. Matter of fact, I'm pretty sure I don't, Lord. And so, God, I'm asking you, whatever you got to do, I want an excellent spirit. I don't want there to be any guile in my heart, my mind, my spirit. This is somewhere where the word of the Lord has been dealing with my heart and talking to me, digging in the word. And so, going through circumstances, situations in life, this is something that happens through the wilderness. It proves what's in our heart. It reveals what's in our heart. And now, watch. This is so important. All of these things are the love of God being manifested to us to draw us to Himself, to shape us and mold us, and to use us and to bless us. The adversary says... Twist that. The adversary says, well, if God loves you, why are you going through that? What's the love of God that's taking you through that? He proves what's in your heart. Why is he proving what's in my heart and yours? Because he knows the plans he has for us. And he wants to find out what's in our heart before he can fulfill all of his plan for us. You understand, there were some that didn't go into the promised land because of what was in their heart. So he has to prove what's in our heart before he can fulfill all the promise he has for us. So to know what was in your heart and whether you would be obedient. That's what that means. Keep his commandments or no. Whether you and I would be obedient. Now watch. Verse 3. I want you to notice this. That's a lot on that screen, isn't it? It's funny when a verse has got a lot of words like, whoa, you realize it on the screen. So he did this, but watch. And then it says he humbled you and he suffered you to hunger or he allowed you to hunger. Anybody here ever been hungry? (laughs) I don't mean like, aren't you hungry for Burger King now? Some of y'all don't even know that old jingle, but that used to be their little jingle. But I mean like. You've been going a, a while without food, and you're like, man, I am hungry. Not like, man, I woke up and I'm hungry this morning, or man, I ate breakfast three hours ago, and we make the statement, I'm starving. Right? I'm not talking about gluttony hungry. I'm talking about, man, I haven't ate in a while. I'm really hungry. Notice what Jesus did, or what the Lord did here in the wilderness. He humbled you. He allowed you to be brought low. Is what that means. And he allowed you to hunger. Anybody ever felt spiritually hungry? He allowed that. He allows that. You ever gone through a season where you're hungry and you just feel like I can't I'm reaching God but I <laughs> He allows that. He's not hiding himself from you. He's allowing that because he needs you and I to understand the old refrain, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. And so sometimes you realize you got he knows our frame. I got to let him be hungry. I gotta let them go a while without tasting, and see that I can't have them just take this for granted. Like you can just go in and grab that out of your cupboard anytime you want. I need you to understand the value of this relationship, and so He allows you and I to hunger. But the beautiful thing of the Word of God is, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, what? Ah, they shall be filled. They shall be filled. If you and I hunger and thirst after the right things, we have the promise of the word of God. We shall be filled. What a promise. I believe it's true. I know it's true. Don't despair. If you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. So he allowed hunger. Now, if you look at that and you understand the context of the scripture and the children of Israel in the wilderness, he allowed them to hunger. They ran out of bread. They were mobile in the wilderness. They didn't have time to plant a garden and wait for a while for it to come up. They had no way of sustaining themselves. You see that? Now, I hope you're listening spiritually here. Because the Scripture is clear to us that these things happened to them as examples for us. They happened to them naturally, and they become examples to us spiritually. And so the Lord allows spiritual hunger ...that nothing else can or will satisfy. Nothing. Nothing. And human nature tries to satisfy the longing. Again, that old song, only Jesus can satisfy your soul. Only He can cleanse your heart and make you whole. He'll give you peace you never knew, sweet love and joy and heaven too. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul... And so he allows the life of men and women to hunger. And many don't even know what they're hungering for until they come in contact with a child of God that's been filled with the Spirit, like Elder Flowers ministered to us a few weeks ago, the bread of life. And they they come in contact with you and I who have fellowshiped him, and, and we have something to share to the hungry. And so he allows hunger And notice, he allowed them to hunger, and he fed them. He did not let them. They needed to recognize, he's got to be the source that feeds my hunger. Understand that. He has to be the source that feeds my hunger. Someone please hear tonight. Whatever you think you need, it's him. It's him. It's him. This idea, well, if I had a bigger bank account, everything would be fine. No, it wouldn't. You still need Him. Well, if this situation in my family was fixed, everything would be fine. No, it wouldn't. You still need Him. Well, if this thing on my job turned around, then it would make it better. Well, it may make you feel better for a moment, but without Him, it will only be temporary. We need Him. Pray with me right now. Come on, talk. Really, pray with me. The Holy Ghost is trying to do something in our spirit. The Holy Ghost is trying to do something in our spirit. He's what you need. He'll supply all of your need according to His riches in glory. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, I pray the purity of the Word and the Spirit of God reaching into the heart. I pray the dispelling of every lie of the adversary, the dispelling of every distraction of the enemy, and the clarity of the Word and the Spirit of God to arrest the heart and the soul of man. In the name of Jesus. 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 He humbled you. He suffered you to hunger and he fed you with manna, which you didn't know. What does that mean? You didn't know? They didn't know they were eating manna? Sure they did. They called it manna. Where the scripture says, which you knew not, he means they didn't understand where it came from or how it happened, but they knew they were eating it. There's a spiritual principle here He'll provide for your soul, He'll provide everything your soul needs. Now, neither did your fathers know. Now, why did he now again here we see why he did this. We read already in verse number two why he did those things humble you, test you, see what was in your heart, and whether you would be obedient to his commands or not. Now we see further, he humbled you, he allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna which you didn't know, neither did your fathers know, that he might make you know. You see that? We went through all that to get to this. He let you be hungry. And he fed you with only what he could produce for this reason. He wanted to make us know that man does not live by bread only. But by every what? By every what? By every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Life is in the Word. Life is in the Word. Why do you think the adversary wants to keep you and I out of the word? Life is in the word. Life is in the word. And so the adversary will bombard you and I in our mind with every thought imaginable to try to discourage, to destroy, to distract, to you fill in the blank. He'll use it. But when you and I know and hold and stand on the true, unfailing Word of God, I can discern the difference between the truth and the lie. And I recognize, hold on a minute. That's not true. The Word says, Shut up, Satan. You're a liar. The Word says, Get behind me, Satan. Thou savorest not the things which be of God. The Word says, When you and I know the Word, we can stand against the onslaught of the adversary, and he will come. He will attack. This is what he do. He's like a roaring lion going about seeking whom he may devour. But when you and I dig in the word and when I don't know what else to do, I'll tell you what to do. Stand on the word. When you that's right the scriptures having done all to stand, stand therefore. That's what preceded the armor of God. Paul said to the church at Ephesus, Having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins gird about with truth. And he began to describe the armor of God, which was the attributes of the Word of God. You want to stand against the adversary? Get in the Word. You say, okay, I'm going to do it, but how long does it take? I don't know. But stay in the Word. Stay in the Word. Stand on the Word. Hope in the Word. Believe in the Word. Pray the Word. Hold to the Word. Study the Word. The Word of God is quick. It's powerful. It's sharper than any two edged sword, the writer of Hebrews said. It pierces to the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and the joints and the marrow. The Word discerns the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. This is the power of the Word. And so the Lord allowed all of this, this humbling, this hungering, this not being able to satisfy my hunger that only He could satisfy. He allowed all of that so you and I would know clearly and plainly man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God doth man live. Now, notice this, and I'm finishing. Stand with me. We need the proceeding word of God. Notice, proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord. That is an utterance. It's an utterance, there's a going forth of the word. We see it established in the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. You go back to Genesis. In the beginning was God. Right? In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. But we see God speaking. The Word going forth. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the deep. But then we see the Lord saying, Let there be light. The Word of God proceeds out of the mouth of God. And it produces something. Man lives by the proceeding word of God. It's why the scripture can declare the letter of the law kills. But the spirit gives it life. The spirit is the unction that comes. That anointing that allows the word of God to issue forth and proceed. And accomplish that which he sends it to do. We find from Isaiah, the Lord said, My word will not return void, but will accomplish that which I send it to do. It is the proceeding word of God going forth. And as a child of God, filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, when you yield to His Spirit, you now have the gift of the Spirit of the Holy Ghost, living God within you. You can open your mouth and yield to His utterance, and there can be a proceeding word come out of your mouth that gives life. It gives life. This is why we pray in the Spirit, building up our most holy faith that Jude was talking about. How are we building up our faith by praying in the Spirit? I'll tell you how. There's a proceeding word of God coming out of your mouth. And when that word's proceeding, life is being regenerated in you and I. Life is being regenerated. How does it work? I don't fully understand it, but I know it to be true in my own life. How can I go to a place of prayer when things seem bleak and dark and I'm not sure what's going on? And I can get alone with God and begin to fellowship Him. And spiritual utterance can begin to flow. Not my own words or my own thoughts, but the utterance of the Spirit of God as we yield to the Holy Ghost, and life begins to change. Things begin to fall off, and there becomes victory and peace. What is that? I'll tell you what that is. That is the proceeding Word of God that gives life. We need the Word of God. And in this hour, our world needs the Word of God.
1: Jesus, in your name. Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name.
0: It's interesting. I thought I should look at my notes now that we're done. We didn't follow anything. Job. He went through a wilderness, wouldn't you say? What kept him? How is it that Job didn't? Falter or fail in the midst of his wilderness. Job 23 and 12. Job says. I love this. You remember what he went through? Watch what Job said. Chapter 23 verse 12. Neither have I gone back. From the commandment. Of his lips. I have esteemed the words of his mouth. More. More. Than my necessary food. I'm going to tell you. I don't care if you lose everything. Health. Family. Friends. Finances. We have an example from the word of God. In the man Job. That happened to him. But he could declare. I have not gone back. From the word of God. And I determined that his word was more valuable to me than any meal I could ever eat. It was more valuable to me than necessary food for human survival. I need the word of God. And I would submit to you and I, it was Job's love and esteeming of his word that kept him through the darkest trial of his life. We need a love for the word. We need to get back into a closet of prayer with the word of God and get my ear in tune and say I need your word not just to read the letters on the page but I need it speaking into my spirit. I'm going to stay in this place on my face before you with your word until I hear it turning in my spirit. till I hear it reverberating in my heart soul and mind. I want the living word of God to proceed that gives life. There is no substitute. There is no replacement. I can't an emotion from worship that replaces it. I can't listen to music that makes me feel better. I need the Word of God. It's what gives life. Job understand it. Job saw it. The psalmist said in Psalm 119, 103, this is one the kids can learn if they haven't already. How sweet are your words to my taste. They're sweeter than honey to my mouth that's a love for his word a love for his word jeremiah said in jeremiah 15 and 16 he said your words were found and i did eat them you see this connection that we see from G- from the israelites in deuteronomy that we read about i want to make you learn that you can't live by bread only And then we see these references throughout the Scripture, these declarations of eating the Word of God. Jeremiah said, I did eat them, and thy word was unto me the joy and the rejoicing of mine heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord God of hosts. He had a love for the Word. You say, well, I'm just getting started in this. Okay. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. This is for all the ones that are just getting started in this. As newborn babes. I don't care where you're at in the journey. As newborn babes. Desire. Everybody say desire. Desire the sincere milk of the word. Why? What's the word going to do? That you may grow... Thereby, there's nothing worse than malnourished children. And if you and I aren't desiring the word, we become malnourished. It's the deception sometimes of the praise and worship portion of the service. I use that carefully because we're not in deception when we're worshiping God, but we can deceive ourselves. I feel the presence of God. It feels so wonderful. I feel his presence washing over me. It's so wonderful to worship him and feel his spirit ministering to me. Yes and amen. But you are not growing thereby. Growth comes from the word. The feeding of your soul doesn't. It may feel good. And it's a necessary thing. We should praise and worship and fill the ministry of His Spirit in praise and worship and song. And we'll continue to do so. But it is not a substitute for the Word of God. We need to be ingesting the Word. That's how we grow. You show me someone that isn't growing. I'll show you someone that isn't in the Word. need the word How many of you like to eat Amen I do too How many of you just eat twice a week Nobody Nobody You recognize, you recognize if your diet, right, what you eat is your diet, right? Whatever you eat, that's your diet. That makes sense to us all, right? That's your diet. If your diet is Sunday morning and Thursday night, and you're content to only eat twice a week, You know what you're saying?
1: I'm not, I'm not trying to be unkind. The Lord is really trying to take us somewhere. we got to get in love with the Word. You're saying, you know what? I'm only interested in eating if somebody's feeding me. And that sounds like a baby to me. Somewhere I have to grow in Him to where I desire the Word of God. I desire the word of god taste and see that the lord is good more to be desired are they than gold yea than much fine gold sweeter also than the honey in the honeycomb why don't we pray and ask god If he would not baptize us afresh with a hunger for the word of God. Could we
0: do that right now? And let's ask him to. Anoint our mind and our spirit. To receive of his word. That understanding and revelation would come through his word. That I would come to know him more the way he desires to be known. Come on. He is the living word. He is the living word. He is the living word. This altar's open to you if you'd like to find a place of prayer in the altar or in your pew. We're in the hour that we need the word more than we've ever needed it. Not the written word alone but the living word of god we need the spirit and word that gives life you're not going to live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of his mouth by every word on the answer is in the word healing is found in the word we find in the gospels that it's said of the lord jesus christ he sent his word and healed them the power of the word. The word can heal your mind. The word can heal your heart. The word can heal your spirit. The word can restore your soul. The word is able to do this. The living word of God, it can drive out confusion and bring clarity. The word of God can give direction where it seems chaotic. The word of God brings peace. And the answers are in the word. We need your word, Lord. We need your word, Lord. I pray, baptize us afresh, my own life, with a hunger for the word of God. Open my mind and my spirit to understand and to receive of your word, Lord. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, living word of God, living word of God, I pray revelation and understanding the quickening of your word in our heart and in our spirit today. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus, I pray in Jesus name. In Jesus' name, come on, allow him to minister in your spirit. Don't just rush past this place. I believe the Holy Ghost is trying to impart some things and minister some things into our life that will be altering, changing, transformative if I lay hold on his word. In Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus, we pray the spirit of truth prevail. We take authority over the spirit of error and we pray the spirit of truth. Your word is truth. Sanctify us by your truth. Your word is truth. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, we receive your word. We receive the living word. In the name of Jesus. John chapter 1 declares As many as received him, the word, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. This is the receiving of the word.
1: The receiving of the word. The Gospels declare. That Jesus sent his word and healed them. We need a relationship with the word. We need a relationship with the word. It's a wonderful relationship. A precious relation, not the letter. The living word. We need a relationship with the word. It was the Lord that said, "I'll no longer write on tables of stone, but I'll, I'll write on the heart." That's a relationship with the living word. And he'll make this book live. This book lives. This book lives. It lives. There's life here. There's healing here. There is deliverance here. There is victory here. This precious word of God. We quoted it already, but we need to see the beauty and the simplicity of the verse. Again, the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid
0: in mine heart. He didn't say, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. Did he? Did he? He said, thy word have I hid in mine heart that I might not sin against you. See, the psalmist understood
1: the word is about a relationship. If I hide the word in my heart, it's not just to keep me from sin. It keeps me from sinning in this relationship. I won't sin against him The word wasn't just a list of rules and regulations.
0: The word was the guideline for a deep relationship with God. He wasn't interested in hiding the word so he could keep all the rules. He was interested in hiding the word so he could protect and preserve the
1: relationship.
0: That's why he said that I might not sin against you.
1: It's about relationship. Praise God. I feel the witness of the Holy Ghost in such a clear way. Why don't you just talk to the Lord right there where you are? We're going to dismiss here in just a second. I feel like we should just need to linger right here just a moment longer. Praise God. God bless you. May you greet someone this evening. And may the word of God come alive afresh and anew to us. Amen. Praise God.
0: Dismissed in Jesus' name. Sunday, 9.30 in the prayer room, 10 o'clock worship. The Holy Ghost is going to do great things. I am certain of it. Please be in prayer. Let's
1: see what God wants to do. Amen.